is the state of the Mark Madden Show. My semi-annual address. Actually, I think this is the first time I've done it. Right now, the Pirates suck. Can't talk about that. Steelers camp doesn't start for three more weeks, and we have beaten all the issues to death. Like Lev Bell. Can't talk about that. I've beat the Pens drum, like John Bonham playing Moby Dick. Can't talk about that. Not not much more, but we will anyway, because what else is there to talk about? I'd love to talk about the World Cup, but you don't want to. Nobody's in the car right now like they usually are because everyone went home early, not least the occupants of this floor, iHeartMedia in Pittsburgh. Hell, they were gone by 9.30 if they bothered to show up at all. I'm here, and I've got about 55 minutes to fill in today's show. These are the dog days of sports talk. All I've got is charisma and a 17-to-1 bucko loss to make fun of. We talked about Jack Johnson for days before he signed. And then the Pens brought back Matt Cohen, a guy we know all about. It's a friggin' conspiracy. Thank God for Greta Van Fleet, Jake Kiske at 5.30, and thank God for a day off tomorrow. Because for sports talk, right now it sucks. Hey, right now, this show, what you're listening to, guess what? You just made the list! for listening and the show for what it is both on the list yo I hate to complain okay I love to complain serious suggestion let's try World Cup you want to talk World Cup call and talk about it right now we're in the last hour before a holiday it's the nothing to lose portion of the show if you want to talk World Cup dial 412 WXDX uh a sad note, uh, Mike Steele passed away today, a former producer for this show and an on-air talent as well here at iHeartMedia. So condolences to his friend and family, Mike Steele, R.I.P. Once again, the number 412-333-9939. The fourth installment of the Purge movie franchise premieres tonight. I think I'm going to go tomorrow morning. I thought about this. I'm going to go to the Riverhounds game tomorrow night. Purge movie in the morning. Get on the treadmill in between. Maybe go to a restaurant in between. One thing I like about the 4th of July, it's like Thanksgiving. It's a legislated holiday. There's no work to do even if I wanted to. And boy, it is so busy in my life right now. Got my uh, deck hockey tournaments, roller hockey tournaments coming up in the fall. Uh, Doing some actual work on my mother's house, which I think had been classified as abandoned. Well, not quite, but nobody's lived in there for a long time. I'm actually cleaning out some stuff at my house. You know what I have that I should look into selling? I have a number of things. Anybody out there know what a Victriol is? You want to buy one, I got one. From like the 1800s in perfect condition. And I'm not kidding. A Victoriola was like the first version ever of a record player. You insert a metal disc in what looks like a turntable. And then you turn a crank and it plays music. It's the first ever kind of record player. I inherited one of those from my grandmother. It's a Victoriola. It's in perfect condition. And I would sell it for whatever it's worth. 
I feel like I'm doing swap shop now here on this program. But again, that's the time of year it is. And you know what else I have to sell? Listen to this. Who would have thought I'd have this? When I was a kid, I would buy a hockey stick once in a while. I'm like 10, 11 years old. I was a big autograph collector, you know, when I was a kid. I have like the autographs of probably every player in the NHL between 1970 and 1976. And then I, you know, got into my late teens and it, I don't want to do it anymore. I just think there's an age when you do it and 17 should be the age you stop. Although that hasn't stopped the professional autograph seekers. I've like Bobby Orr's autograph like 15 times. I've Clemente's autograph like nine times and I should sell all that stuff. But what I used to do back then was I would buy a hockey stick, not a game stick, not a nice stick, but just like a, a crappy stick. And I would get players to sign the sticks. Just nothing to get autographed. Well, guess what I happen to have? It's ironic that I would have this. I have a stick autographed by almost all the Stanley Cup champion flyers. From I, I don't know exactly which year it's from, 74, 75, but it's autographed by like all the dead guys, like Freddie Shiro, Barry Ashby, Bob Clark. I mean, it's not a Sharpie. It's a red felt-tip pen, but you can make out all the signatures. They're, they're in the, they're, oh, my God. Bob McGoggin just looked up on eBay. Victrola phonograph, 1920s vintage, pre-owned, $10,000. Local pickup. Is that, that's not in Pittsburgh, is it, Bob? Okay, I got to I got to Well, again, if you want to, if you want a Victrola or a stick autograph by the Stanley Cup champion Flyers, you know what I was thinking of doing? Tell me this wouldn't be a good stunt to piss off the people in Philadelphia. Put it on eBay. Okay, put the stick on eBay. And have close-up photographs of the stick on eBay so you can tell it's legit. It, it is legit. Why would I make that up? Bernie Perrant, Bob Clark, Rick McLeish, uh, Dave Schultz, they're all on there. The coach, Fred Shiro. There might be a couple missing, but, but, but you know, they're all on. Don Seleski, Gary Dornhofer, they're all on there. Okay, so put, put it on eBay with the photographs so you know it's real, right? And then put, like, a high price on it. Like, like it's I read somewhere where, like, a stick like that goes for, like, $1,300, $1,400. Although I can't believe it wouldn't be higher than that. I looked that up some time ago. But anyway, put an outrageously high price on it, like, like, you know, a grand over whatever the market value would be, right? And note on the eBay thing, if the bid doesn't go over the full value of, the, of, the, of my price, I'm going to burn it on videotape. I think it's a good idea. Let's go to Matt in Mount Washington. Matt, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Matt, you're on the air. Let's go to Rob in Wexford. Rob, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Mark. First, I would like to wish you a happy 4th of July, and I hope you uh, enjoy your day off tomorrow. I will do. All right. And uh, I wanted to talk about the World Cup. Go ahead. Uh, have you watched anything around the round of 16? Yeah, I literally watch every game in the studio while I'm on the air. And I uh, watch most of the early game, too. I've watched most of the round of 16, yes. I uh, really enjoyed France-Argentina, mostly because France won. Why, are you French? I am not, but uh, I, I just like the way they played, and uh, I really enjoyed the game. It was an exciting game, although, uh, boy... It's not fair, but you got to ask questions about guys like Messi being out. 
and Ronaldo being out, maybe a new day has dawned for those who stand long. And the forest will echo with laughter. Does anybody remember laughter? I bet they don't in Argentina. Oh, here's a review from the Philadelphia Daily News. The first purge not worth the splurge. Shut up. Philadelphia looks like they've been having the purge for 50 years. Crap city. Let's go to Travis North for sales. Travis, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How are you? Hi, Travis. Hey, uh, a couple questions pertaining to the uh, World Cup and U.S. soccer. Um, I'm just getting into the soccer because my daughter's, you know, just starting on a club team now, so she's really getting into the, the soccer world. Great. Just wanted to see, uh, do you think it's worth going to the match at Heinz Field between the uh, Dormant and Beneficia? Yeah, it'll be worth it because Christian uh, Pulisic will be there. Uh, from from Hershey, PA, 19 years old, plays for Dortmund, the best U.S.-born soccer player. He's just uh, a delight to watch. So I would definitely uh, definitely go to the match just to see Christian. By the way, Mark Pulisic uh, is the assistant coach for the Riverhounds, and we'll, his dad. And we'll be talking to him about uh, about Christian and you know how he grew up in Hershey and became just his soccer. Uh, whiz kid who is now, like I said, you play for Dortmund. Dortmund's the second best team in Germany's top league. And he, he plays a regular shift and uh, does very well. I'd love to see him on Liverpool one of these days. Let's go to Nate in Greensburg. Nate, you're on with Double M. Hey, Double M. Just had a question about the uh, Mexico-Brazil game from yesterday. Right. So if uh, if Ch- Chicharito hadn't hurt his leg, do you think uh, Mexico might have gotten a different result? No, I think Brazil's the better team, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Mexico played an excellent first half, but I, it just seemed like he was almost out there more as a, like a, a decoy. Well, I, think Chicharito, the I think Chicharito's overrated in the first place. I mean, he couldn't even get on the field at Manchester United most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the biggest fan of his. So, no, I don't think him being 100% would have made a difference in that game. I think the better team won. If Mexico was going to eke out a result, it would have been a a, a a fluke result. And, yeah, I know Brazil, like I said, left Atlanta late, but Neymar made a couple big plays. My guy Bobby Firmino from Liverpool scored the second goal for Brazil, and uh, uh, they were worthy winners, definitely deserving of advancing to the quarterfinals. Let's go to Scooch and Hopewell. Scooch, you're on with Double M. Hey, what up, Big Sexy? What up, man? Hey, would you be in favor of getting rid of penalty shootouts to decide World Cup games? No, what would you replace it with? Just just straight golden goal, right after extra time, just first goal. And I would add substitutes instead of add more than three substitutes. Well, they do have one, you're allowed one extra substitute in overtime now. But no, I like it exactly the way it is. You can't play soccer indefinitely. I just think it's too cheeky. Imagine any well, playoff. Okay, here's the thing, shootout. though. It's not for you to decide. The culture of soccer dictates that's the way it's decided. Nobody in soccer, seriously, Scooch, hear me out. Nobody in soccer complains that that's a bad way to finish. They're not crazy about it, but they see it as necessary. You can't play soccer indefinitely. And if they adopt what you're proposing, which is you know unlimited substitution apparently is what you want in, in overtime, then you have the second string playing the second string. And that's a little cheesy as well. Let's go to Alex in Charlotte. Alex, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Good. Uh, I just want to talk about seeing England get through in the group that would have been the U.S. spot for the number two. 
and the path they now have to the finals, just how much of a disappointment it was for the U.S. team I not can't, getting I, through. What, what path would the U.S. be in the, in the tournament? They didn't make the tournament, bro. They, I, exactly. They didn't make it. They were in the Panama spot. If they could have found a way yeah, to get out of the That's too much projecting for me. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm not going to talk about how good the U.S. would be doing had they gotten in the tournament. The U.S. didn't deserve to get in the tournament. They stunk. Okay? You're assuming they would have gotten the Panama slot, which is the team that beat them out for the last CONCACAF berth, that they would have done well? I think they would have gone 0-3 based on how they played World Cup qualifying. Let me take this one real quick. Byron in the car. Byron. You're on with Mark. Yeah, Mark, I heard yesterday you were talking about the Pirates looking to sign Jesus. I didn't know if... We had uh, to manage their payroll. All right, I heard that they didn't really... He didn't come to an agreement with them. He was saying that there was really no soul there for him. And, uh, yeah, not funny. Goodbye. If you're going to comment on my parody monologues and my parody blogs like I published yesterday, you have to be instantly as funny or funnier or I hang up on you. We got James on hold. James, do please stay on hold. And we got... Uh, Jake Kiska, guitar player for Greta Van Fleet at the bottom of the hour. Greta Van Fleet at stage AE on the 18th. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Hold you. The X at 105.9. I just read a, a story online that uh, Sticks has no plans to get back together with its entire lineup. The Dennis DeYoung will not again perform with Sticks. Is anybody really clamoring for that? Because I am not. Who's in sticks now? Tommy Shaw and James Young, and I think that's it for the originals. The Panazzos uh, aren't in it. And Dennis DeYoung has been replaced by Lawrence Gowan, I think his name is. So uh, they got who they got. Let's go to James in Las Vegas. James, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. How are you doing today? Terrific. I'm wondering why they don't have embellishing penalties in uh, soccer. Maybe they do. Answer that. Oh, they do? They're not doing a very good job, job of upholding those penalties. Uh, I disagree. I think they've called a number of uh, diving penalties in this World Cup. Bro, it's part of the culture. Know, I, you can't call it all the time. I understand that. I, I do understand that. But I, it's just, when they flop around like they've just been shot 90 times, it's like, come on, man. Yeah, it <laughs> irritates me almost as much as when... A football player gets up and does a song and dance after a three-yard game. No doubt, but they, they you usually call penalties for that too. Sometimes no, they don't. No, they don't. In fact, they specifically took those penalties out this past season. Every game oh, has have, its quirks. Right. For example, I don't like that baseball games take nine hours to play. I don't oh, like man. that the batter has to unfasten and refasten his effing batting gloves after every pitch. Let me tell you, that batting glove stuff, that drives me battier than any dive in soccer ever could. I've got stuff to do. Your gloves are tight enough. Swing the bat. <laughs> Very good, Mark. That's why I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the call. Okay, let's see. Here's the current members of Sticks. Uh, who the hell is Todd Sukerman? Oh, drummer. He's their drummer. Who the heck is Ricky Phillips? He's their bass player. And I guess I guess that the one Panazzo, Chuck Panazzo, is a bass player. And, and I think he plays with stick, Sticks occasionally. He is, uh, he is a gay man living with HIV, uh, doing well, thank heavens. Uh, and uh, 
Oh, no, he currently tours with sticks on a regular basis, it says here. Wow, crazy. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I'm just not a sticks guy. I think you could add the letter N in there somewhere, and it would properly express my sentiments as in stinks. But um, they did write and perform the Steeler Fight song, so there's that. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. John Panazzo's dead. The drummer's dead. Wait, do I have that wrong? Yeah, John Panazzo's dead. Chuck Panazzo, the bass player, is not dead. Boy, when these groups are around for, for as long as these groups have been, you, you just got to keep careful track. My God. 412-333-9939. Up next, uh, going to be a real pleasure to talk to Jake Kiska. Now, Jake Kiska... Uh, his music doesn't fit into our format. That's too bad because I love it. We played some snippets from it now and again. It's very popular. It's the new classic rock. It's Greta Van Fleet. Uh, highway tune, safari song, great stuff by Greta Van Fleet. And they're a tremendous story. A bunch of kids between the ages of 22 and 18. Uh, three brothers, the Kiskas. Two of them are twins, the 22-year-olds, Josh and Jake. And their band's just unbelievable. What are the other good bands, the, the new bands? Like, I think Rival Sun started out hot, and they're just okay now. I saw them live opening for Sabbath, and I wasn't impressed. Royal Blood, they're the guys, they just do the drums and bass, and the guy has all these effects on his bass, I think. A lot of trickeration there. They're pretty good, though. I really do like... And now I can't think of their name. And we play them on this program. And they open up for Mont- oh, the Struts. That's it, the Struts. I like them. They're kind of glammy. We play them on this program. They're kind of like uh, a little sweet in there, a little queen. A lot of good stuff there. But uh, I think of all the newer bands, I think that Greta Van Fleet is by far the best. They're, they're carrying the flag that I want to fly until the day I die. So we got Jake from Greta Van Fleet. Jake Kiska, he's up next. You're on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. How you doing today, honey? Really good, sweetheart. Borderline violent. Very noisy. Absolutely beautiful. The X at 105.9. Is 22 years old, but is helping lead a revival of exactly the kind of music I love to listen to. He and his band are in Stage AE July 18, two weeks from tomorrow, and it is sold out. From Greta Van Fleet, he is guitarist Jake Kiska. Uh, Jake, welcome aboard. How do a bunch of kids from Frankenmuth, Michigan, come this far this fast? It's really been amazing. Uh, I don't know, Mark. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been a very quick. Um you know, upcoming, I suppose, and I don't think that any of us had a, uh, you know, expected such a quick, quick rise, I suppose, or, you know, such immediate attention, I guess. Well, I'm sure it's very gratifying, and as you mentioned, two other members of Greta Van Fleet are your brothers. When did you and your brothers start playing music together? I know it's a musical family you come from, and when did Greta Van Fleet become a band, per se? 
Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's like, I suppose ever since, you know, we, we knew each other, which was granted very early on, <laughs> um, we were listening to a lot of the same things. We kind of grew up sharing, a, you know, many similar, uh, experiences and influences and we kind of grew up in a you know very creatively uh nurturing environment where that you know and it wasn't always music around there was you know a lot of film and literature and things like that and um so i think you know i was probably the first one who picked up an instrument um and started playing guitar really early probably around three or four and then um uh josh had always sung and um you know, it would start out in the car, you know, and we're driving and on long road trips and stuff like that. And um, so I think it was, uh, you know, around um, high school, really, probably around senior or sophomore year. Um, and um, we started, you know, I had, I had a drummer um, who's a friend of mine from uh, from jazz from a jazz band um, uh, from school, and I, you know, brought him over. We started you know, playing guitar and drum based music and uh and so I started pulling Josh in and at some point, you know, it was the three of us and then it was just you know, down to getting probably you know, bass player and um so, you know, we started pulling salmon probably around that time period, around fifteen or sixteen and I th- you know, he started coming out and eventually it's like oh there's four of us and we were playing in our arrangement and uh, the drummer couldn't keep up. Danny came in who's a childhood friend of ours and has known Sam since, you know, kindergarten. And um, and that was kind of the formation of the band, which was, you know, probably around, I would say, my senior year of high school, that that was uh, when we were really, I think, a band that we had become. Well, that's amazing. Very organic, Jake. And uh, when you start out as kids yeah. doing this, What's the goal? Is it stardom? Is it just that fun playing with your brothers and for your friends? What was the minimum acceptable goal when you started this? Yeah, I think it's interesting being that young that you have no predisposed idea, I suppose, of what exactly you're going to do, especially musically. And I think in that sense of, you know, ignorance being on our side, that something really organic, like you said, happens musically. So it's like... um. I suppose that, you know, what happened essentially was four contributing members, you know, to to one sound and one song. And, you know, I suppose that's kind of how the writing goes as well, that it seems like, you know, there's equal participation between each member of the band musically and artistically. So, you know, I think that stuff, it, it was all, you know, all that stuff is is sort of organic, I suppose, and that, especially when you're, you know, that young, I guess. Let's stick with the songwriting angle for a second, Jake. Uh, how quickly are ideas formulated and executed with you guys? Because I think songwriting is probably the toughest part of your job, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I would say it is and it, in some senses, and it, and it isn't in others. I think, I, think, um, uh, I suppose... It, Every song is written entirely different, it seems, and a lot of them come very quickly. Um, and some take time to, you know, tentatively, you know, ma- you know, manipulate to figure, you know, the arrangement out. So uh, it's all kind of very different. But how it generally works is there's 
we're all, you know, writers and we all kind of bring, you know, an idea to the table when it's sort of done. And, um, you know, whether that's like something that I've written on the guitar and I've arranged this riff and I've put together, you know, a skeleton of the song and I say, okay, now it's time to take it to the guys. And I say, what do you guys think of this? And everybody gets on, you know, instruments and I may have a note, like say, I think keys, particular Mellotron in this one or something along that line. And, you know, everybody kind of jumps on and, and just contributes right away in the song pretty much comes together within 15 minutes usually um uh, but you know whether it's sam bringing something in on the keys or danny bringing something in on the guitar josh bringing something in on the keys or with you know vocals um so yeah i mean it, it's it happens pretty quickly and it, it and it kind of comes together um once you know the idea is there and everybody kind of comes together so you know, it can be easy or challenging, but it, it happens pretty relatively quickly and different every time. Now, now, Highway Tune and Safari Song have been signature moments for you guys so far. And I know you've written a lot of other material that is yet to, to be released. How do you judge your new material? Mm -hmm. Do you compare it to what you've done, or do you try to evaluate it in and of itself? Well, it's, um, you know, it's kind of based, I think, in, in, in our... Uh, you know, pref you know, opinions that it's like um, what we've kind of put together now that's going to be coming out on um, the first album is, you know, there's a certain relativity to what was previously previously released with Black Sweat Rising and From the Fires, and I think that we wanted to beat that, you know. I think we wanted to elevate and be more, you know, showcase a bit more of what we've kind of learned over the last year and a half. And, um, and, uh, so I think in, so in many, in many senses, a lot of the, you know, what, because we do, yeah, base it on what's been released and, um, and know that we're now capable of more than that. And, you know, as not only live performers, but, you know, studio musicians. And, um, and I think that, uh, I think overall you can kind of hear a bit of, you know, a sense of maturity on the, on the, you know, with the new songs that are going to be released. Um, but yeah, there is the sort of comparative thing where we're looking at, you know, what's been released and going, well, we can beat this out easy, you know. We're talking to Jake Kiska of Greta Van Fleet here on the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 The X. Uh, Jake, here's the cliched question. How are you guys adapting to life on the road? and the temptations that accompany. I mean, you're really young guys, and you're going all over the world right now. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's, uh, I think we have the advantage of, of youth on our side. You know, I don't think that we get run down to too often. And, um, and I think that, uh, you know, that, you know, there's three of us have brothers, and I suppose that there's sort of a, sort of a revelry about it, you know, and then it's kind of like family on the road in the sense that, you know, and we're all, well, all of us are really close. So I suppose that helps. And, you know, we're forced to call mom every, you know, so often. So <laughs> there's a grounding element to that as well. Um, but yeah, I suppose, you know, every, on the other side of that story, you know, we, we can get worn down every so often. And I think recently Danny had, uh, had, uh, injured his wrist so we had to cancel a series uh, a couple shows and it was painful but he's back at it so 
on the road again. <laughs> now, you guys dress the part. You kind of have that classic rock look. And I believe a touch of makeup may even be involved. What look are you guys going for, and how important is that part of it? Yeah, it's interesting. I think we all really kind of grown to appreciate a lot of fashion in a sense. You know, like the traveling certainly has been something that, because it was something that was always there. You know, it was like we always grew up, you know, dressing up and like, you know, we had a big pile of like costumes that we would, you know, spend all of these hours at our grandparents' house, you know, you know, like basically dressing up and performing and stuff. And I think that's something that was always initially there. And I think that in, in a lot of the travels sort of amplified our interest in it, you know, like especially in Europe and, and what people are wearing and stuff. So, you know, I think that, I think that we've always kind of been into, you know, what, what clothing can kind of do and, 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 in the fascination of that and sort of, you know, you can, you know, in the physical sense, sort of personify yourself and, you know, who you, who you are and, and, uh, kind of do that with fashion in a lot of the sense. So I think that, um, you know, if we're, you know, going in our travels, we kind of collect things from thrift stores and stuff like that and whatever's cool. And, um, I think that, you know, we, we've just kind of collected a, ton of clothing and and you know i think we really appreciate you know what what clothing can do and and um i think that's kind of just generally it you know i guess that our, our fascination is what <laughs> now everybody talks about the led zeppelin comparison i'm sure you're tired of that jake but the influences go way past that don't they yeah i mean it kind of goes right to the roots of a lot of music because we grew up, you know, around the, uh, an ample around, amount of vinyl. So, you know, it was always, always seemed to be a lot of the traditional music um, that, you know, that that was, I think, put there on purpose by my dad. And, you know, and in, in that, in that relation, I suppose, in, you know, being that we're really humbled by the reference and I guess honored by the collation or the affiliation with, you know, the, the Zeppelin thing. Um, I think we also share a lot of similar influences that they do as well, which which is a very interesting thing. But we, you know, we grew up around a lot of blues music, and that was people like Holland Wolf and Muddy Waters, Elmore James, Lightning Hopkins, you know, Robert Johnson, BB King, you know, all of the Kings, and you know, a lot of folk too, which was like Arlo Guthrie, and um, you know. Bob Dylan and Joan Baez, Joni Mitchell, you know, John Denver is a big one, you know, and then Soul and Aretha Franklin and jazz and, you know, just like a lot of that, you know, um, roots uh, music. So, and then, you know, it's interesting because I don't believe that we really listen to too much, uh, you know, rock and roll in the sense of, you know, the personified version of all of those traditional elements, which was kind of, the rock and roll movement until, you know, probably around high school. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there are, uh, you know, quite a, quite a few influences that kind of, that go quite deep with us. Well, regardless of how tiresome the Zeppelin thing could be, I'm sure Robert Plant thinks you guys are good. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember waking up one morning and, and, uh, someone was like, yeah, you got to check this out. And Robert Plant commented and he's like, 
you know, just see that he, you know, appreciates what we're doing. I mean, it doesn't really get any cooler than that. <laughs> now, when did you guys first realize that, okay, this isn't just going to be a neighborhood band. It's not going to be about playing, you know, local dances in the fire hall. Was there a song or a moment when you knew it was going to be big? Um, no, I don't. I don't know that we ever looked at it as, you know, it was going to be something that was, you know, blown out of proportion and, and, uh, and moved so quickly. I think, I think that we knew that we had something of, you know, something special relative to a lot of what is going on in the, you know, popular world of music. Um, I think it was at one point when Josh really started singing, you know, we had, a, you know, we had, a, it was really loud in the garage at home that we would rehearse it. So, you know, I'd had, I had my amp full all the way up because the drums were blaring loud and then Sam would turn up and the mic was never loud enough. You know, we could never get enough volume out of it. So I think Josh just started wailing and we all just stopped at that point and we kind of looked at each other and said, that's how you got to sing right there. Cause that's, that's it. You know, that's, yeah, it's pretty rock and roll, and I think at that it was that I think it was that point that um, that we all kind of knew where we were gonna where we were going with the you know thing. So now you've mentioned your parents and grandparents a couple times, Jake, which I think is just uh, delightful. Uh, what do they think of all this? I'm not entirely sure. I think that they're still you know wrapping wrapping their heads around it, I guess, you know, it's, um, it's, it's great though, but, you know, I think they're, they're, they're very proud of us in, in many ways. And I know that, um, I know that our grandfather never stops talking to people about it, you know, <laughs> and our, and our grandma, you know, tells us about it. He's like, Oh, we went to, you know, we went to the hair place and, you know, grandpa was talking about you guys again and again, you know, he, he's a, you know, He's a pre a musician himself. He was in the uh, Michigan uh, Polka Hall of Fame as a accordion player. So he's, uh, I think that, you know, they're 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 proud and still sort of grasping the reality of it. I think. Uh, Jake, listen, thank you for taking the time. Uh, you guys are good. It's the real thing. I enjoy it a lot. I wish you well moving forward, and we'll see you in Pittsburgh in a couple weeks. Great. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. That's Jake Kiska, Greta Van Fleet. We talk about them all the time on this program, and you can hear them two weeks from tomorrow, July 18th, at Stage AE, if you already have a ticket because it's sold out. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Um, what do you think about the new... I can't remember what I called, sorry. Really awesome call. The X at 105.9. It's time now to ask Mark anything. Dial 412-333-WXDX and ask me what you like about what you like. It's brought to you by Chapino Restaurant and Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood and chop house. So check out Chapino located in the Strip. It's the home of the Super Genius Burger. Let's go to Tony in New Ken. Tony, ask Mark anything. Hi, Mark. Um... My question was, did you hear any rumor of 
uh, Juventus buying out uh, Ronaldo's contract. Yeah, I heard they might buy it for 100 million euros, which I guess would be about 125 million dollars. Okay, now if he goes to UV, now do you think he will go to UV or not? Well, I, they they wouldn't be looking at the sale if he wasn't willing. Uh, I think he probably wants to go to an easier league, uh, maybe establish himself as a brand name in Italy even more than he is worldwide already. He will have played in England, won a title there. Spain won a title there. Italy maybe can win a title there. And I don't blame Madrid for selling him because even though Ronaldo's great and Madrid's coming off winning a third straight uh, European Cup, he's 33 years old. And even though he's in prime physical condition, he's still a depreciating asset. And to get that kind of money for a 33-year-old player, that's pretty great return. Let's go to Sam and Allison Park. Sam, ask Mark anything. Mark, when you look at all the greatest bands in the history of the world, you think Pink Floyd, uh, Fleetwood Mac, The Who, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The common thing is they all develop their each and unique individual sound. What makes you think the Greta Van Fleet, being a complete ripoff of the Led Zeppelin, they're sound, not a complete ripoff of Led Zeppelin. They're very organic. Led Zeppelin will rip off a Holland Wolf and Robert Johnson. Everything comes from something. You think The Who and Fleetwood Mac? You think Fleetwood Mac's one of the greatest groups of all time? First off, get a grip on that. Pink Pink Floyd's just stoner music. Bro, you're out of your mind. Goodbye. F off. Everything's a lift from something. You know, don't compare The Who, uh, Fleetwood Mac, or Pink Floyd to Led Zeppelin either. Let's go to Steve in the car. Steve, ask Mark anything. Uh, hi, Mark. If you're trying to escape a hostage situation, who would you rather have? Hello? If I were trying to escape a hostage situation, I'd like to have a cell phone that works better than yours. Leaves the line open, 412-333-9939. Tomorrow we celebrate the independence of our country. Who knows? Maybe we'll be able to celebrate again someday. Let's go to Ben in Chippewa. Ben, ask Mark anything. Mark, uh, I just want to know what your thoughts were on the possibility of the Pirates relocating in the near future. With PNC Park becoming an older stadium and uh, the fan base not being as supportive as it was in the 90s. Well, when they well, tried well to first off, first off, the lease, run, the lease lasts till 2030. Okay. So they I couldn't even possibly that. consider till 2030. Uh, will they relocate? I doubt it. But I think Nutting will play every card at his disposal. And I think he'll hold the city up for even more to stay in 2030. All right. That works for me. I didn't know they had a lease on the stadium. I mean, what, I guess what did you think? Figure. They do it year by year? No, I didn't. I, I know they don't do it year by year. But the order the stadium gets, I don't know how, um, if they would consider getting rid of the stadium or not. It's, it's not that old, brah. 15 years. You know, yeah, that's Three not that years. old. Three Rivers was only around for 30 years. Oh, that, that's a good point. But Three Rivers was... Three Rivers came at the tail end of those baseball-slash-football stadiums right when they were going out of style. And it never was a good stadium for baseball. So and then it lasted that short of a time. Uh, you, know, you know what? If you're not paying for it with your money, of course you're going to want a new stadium as often as possible. They're paying for it with our money. Let's go to Evan. Evan, ask Mark anything. 
Hey, Mark. I'd just like to ask, uh, how much personal time do you invest into every show? Like, do you work eight-hour days? Yeah. Top of your segment? Or? At least, at least eight-hour days. I, I prepare some the night before, but usually I get in at ten o'clock and prepare straight till three o'clock, and then I'm on the air till six o'clock, which is an eight-hour day. Although I probably take forty-five minutes in there for for lunch or rest or recreation or something. All right. Cool. Just curious. Yeah, this show doesn't just fly out of my rectum. Rectum, I nearly killed him. Let's go to Rob. Rob, real quick, ask Mark anything. Hello, Mark. Hey, love the interview with Greta Van Fleet. My question is, are you going to the show? I'll be there. Yes, absolutely, I'm going. Awesome. Like, I, I was an idiot to call before, man. They're an awesome band, and I love Zeppelin, too. Well, that, you know, that guy listens to Randy Bauman. Randy Bauman, who likes the <laughs> Clarks. Randy Bauman says Greta Van Fleet are just a Zeppelin ripoff. Come on. Come on. Yeah, Put it yeah. this way. If you like the Clarks... You can't criticize Greta Van Fleet. That should be a law. Couldn't agree with you anymore. Thank you for the call.